So, like we've uh, said a couple times now, we're in Psalm 17. If you have your Bibles, um, uh, please turn there with me. I'm going to uh, get to read it through again one more time so it's, it's fresh. Uh, but as you turn there, um, tonight we're going to be looking at a, a, a Psalm of David uh, and how he's paying the price for his faith lived out. Um, the, the consequences of uh, representing God and uh, how the world uh, hates those that, or hates God and therefore hates those that uh, stand for God. Um, and as you're, you're turning to Psalm 17, uh, let me just open this up in a, uh, a word of prayer and then I'll, I'll go ahead and read for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, blessing us with this time to uh, uh, gather and uh, to to pray your word, to sing your word, to hear your word preached, um, to uh, discuss your word, and to uh, just be taught by your spirit. Let it be you that teaches here. Put me aside and uh, just speak truth here and let, let your truth be known. Um, we love you, Lord Jesus. We uh, uh, are, are here for you. Um, it is you that draws us together, and uh, we rely on you. In your holy name, amen. Bible's a little big for this stand. Okay, Psalm 17. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. By night. You have tested me, and you will find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me, hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts to pity. With their mouths they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They have set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear a young lion lurking in an ambush. Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him. Deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword, from men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. So, as you can... Uh, probably hear in David's words just uh, in general uh, there's a bit of a he's, he's defending himself uh, in, in, a, in a plea to God uh, there's uh, accusations coming coming upon him and uh, he's uh, he's appealing to, to, to God um, so we've got this uh, scenario where uh, there's persecution coming upon David and for us we now have a model uh, of how we can uh, pray how we can uh, Turn to the Lord uh, to uh, persevere through persecution of uh, uh, claims all the way to deadly threats, as, as we're going to see and read. Um, 
And for this, uh, we've got a bit of an outline here uh, as it's broken up uh, uh, into five general sections. Verses one and two, uh, I see it's a, a cry for vindication to, the, to, to, to God. Uh, verses three to five, a cry for examination. Uh, verses six to 12 are the cry for protection as we were praying earlier. Um, verses 13 through 14, a cry for confrontation. And then First 15, uh, a cry for glorification. So with that first one, the cry of vindication, you see David uh, turning, turning to God. Hear a just cause, O Lord. David is approaching, uh, if we see this, this is a courtroom. This is where David's approaching the judge's bench. God's sitting in that, that judge's seat and uh, presenting his case to God, presenting the case of his life uh, as not in line with uh, uh, the false accusations that are, uh, that are being cast upon him. Uh, there's a, a, this implied prose, uh, prosecution that's being brought against him that's uh, condemning, condemning him, that there's foes and adversaries that are, that are surrounding him uh, from all sides, and he's having to appeal to God. Uh, and he sees himself as a just cause, not one of a perfection by any means. He recognizes his own sin, but in this particular instance where there are specific claims against him, he sees himself as blameless uh, of the claims being levied against him, uh, that his life and service to the Lord is true and uh, his enemies are misrepresenting him and uh, maligning him. And if you see in those, uh, those first couple of sentences there, you see hear, attend, give ear. Uh, these are uh, David uh, going to uh, God the Father and saying, uh, hear, attend, give ear. There's a sense of urgency in what he's saying. This is uh, showing that there's, there's a great burden and weight of this accusation against him, that he is, he's desperate to turn to God, that it is, uh, he's needing God in this situation, that it's not something that he would be able to overcome by his own might or by his own strength of any kind. Um, then it goes into the, the rest of verse one there. Uh, give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. David is being charged uh, probably with having deceitful lips here, um, you know, degrees of hypocrisy in, that, in those uh, lying lips that he's being accused of. But he's pleading to God as not having those deceitful lips, but turning that, that accusation, accusation to those that are accusing him, that it's them that are making the claims of uh, false accusations and saying they are the deceitful ones. Um, and that he's relying upon God's review of this situation. He's appealing to God. Um, in verse two, it says, uh, your pres from your presence, let my vindication come. He's asking that God evaluate and test the facts here and bring a righteous verdict. He knows to be in his favor. He's, he's in this situation. He, he, he feels a false accusation against him. So if he appeals to God, he's got uh, a, a sense of this, any vindication would come because it is God that will reveal truth. And this vindication to be judged and to be found blameless. Uh, David knows himself to be vindicated in the eyes of God if it is God that's going to judge because he will reveal truth. It will be uh, the, the correct interpretation that comes out. Uh, in the next part of verse 2, it says, let your eyes behold the right. Um, uh, the New American Standard also phrases it, let your eyes look with equity. Um, equity being uh, justice, that true verdict I've mentioned. Um, and then uh, the ESV, as I said, behold the right, revealing the righteous, um, that if God's making the judgment, there's gonna be no mistake. 
we will be certain that the truth will come out and that uh, the vindication will come if it's deserved. Um, so where can we get from this, uh, this cry of vindication? How do, we, how do we see this for ourselves? Uh, David has made a cry to the Lord for a judgment appeal on this matter, uh, that his life be investigated for uh, potential vindication. Uh, this requires a man to have a pure heart and pure hands. Um, to ask for such uh, an investigation, knowing the truth is going to come out. You don't, you don't ask for uh, a thorough investigation if you know you've got dirty hands and you're not going to be able to hide it. But David turns to God and says, please investigate this and know that uh, it, I know that the, the truth will come out. So uh, how do we see this as an, as an application? Um, uh, we see... Uh, uh, the world casting all sorts of accusations against us as believers, um, and maybe just for our faith, or maybe just you know specific uh, character things that they don't like in us. But uh, what we'll see a lot of times is we'll put a whole bunch of weight in what those those around us say. Um, but that's not what David does here. Uh, he is uh, uh, not putting weight in what the uh, the accusers are saying. He is uh, ultimately seeking what matters, and that is what God's verdict is on his life. Uh, regardless of what the accusation is, if he's going to appeal to God and get the uh, uh, vindication of God, he's, he's not concerned with uh, the attack of the world if he's got God on his, uh, his side saying he's truthful. And uh, Steve Lawson has a, a great uh, saying, uh, quote for this, uh, if you please God, it does not matter who you displease. If you displease God, it does not matter who you please. So to, to summarize that even more, uh, the Christian life simplified is in all ways, we are to please God in everything. It doesn't matter who else uh, gives us any uh, affirmation. We've got God's uh, approval. We've, we've served God faithfully. That, that, that's in the end of it. Um, uh, moving to verse three then, we, we, we transition from our cry of vindication to the cry for examination. Uh, you have tried my heart you have visited me by night. David has invited the investigation of God uh, to penetrate into him and discern the truth. Uh, if you see the verb tense there, uh, tried and visited, those are past tense. So that recognizes that God has already tried his heart and already knows the truth, has already been actively uh, knowing, knowing the truth of David. It's not something that's surprising to God. Um, God looks upon the heart and knows the real you, not the, the pretty packaging that people present um, or the, the facade that they'll put out there, um, but he's going to see the truth. Um, if we see that word tried again, to me that's got a, uh, uh, an image there, a connotation of, of testing and uh, uh, of the purity of the, the claim. Uh, so when I, when I think of that, I, I tend to go to the, the common analogy of like the, the crucibles refining, um, the, where you, you'll take a whole bunch of metal, put it in there, heat it up, and as, as the temperature rises, all the slag, the impurities, they will start to separate out, and you can, you can skim out those or at least see those uh, uh, defections in the metal. Um, so God is constantly testing and seeing uh, the slag in David's life because he's tried him. Um, uh, I know for uh, us uh, or, or myself, I, I constantly need to be uh, seeing this and then taking the, the prayer here of, do we pray ask, asking God to test and examine us? 
do we pray that he reveal his findings to us so that if we are in the, in the, the wrong, he, this is a, a cry for examination, if we are found to be in the wrong, do we then in that revelation repent of it? Do we acknowledge it and repent of it, turn from it? Um, and for us, are we um, looking at others in the same way where we are seeing things in their life? I know for, for, for me and uh, uh, you know, my friends, uh, uh, it's, it's really easy for us to get caught up in discussions of, uh, of uh, brothers and sisters and uh, hearing things that's go- that are going on in their life and wanting to, you know, call out the, the speck in their eye and completely disregard the plank in our own eyes. It's so easy to uh, spot the shortcomings of others and totally disregard the, and be blind to our own weaknesses or our stumbles. Uh, in verse three there, it says uh, that he's visited me by night. God inspected David's life when nobody was around and we are our true selves. God knows David for who he truly is without uh, the, the masquerade mask for the onlooking eyes, as we said, you know, the, the facade that we put on. When, when, we, when it's night, our, uh, our, our true heart shows. Uh, when there's no one around, the decisions we make the failures uh, that we, 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 we get into, the, the stumbles, the sin, whatever it be, it's most present at night when there aren't the, the onlookers that we're trying to you know, present ourselves as you know, more righteous than we truly are. Um, and God, uh, David says that this is where God has visited him and tested him and seen him. You have tested me and you will find nothing. David is fully aware of his sin and transgressions, uh, but on these charges, he knows himself to be without fault. He knows he's sinful, but in this regard, uh, these accusations, he, he has no blame. Um, it says, I have purpose that my mouth will not transgress. As others have slandered him, he has a purpose not to retaliate in a like manner. Uh, David has chosen not to come down to their level, but instead will speak true and wholesome words with a mature tongue. Verse four says, uh, with regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. With regards to the works of men here, we see uh, David is changing from the specific God looking at the inward truth of his heart to also now uh, bringing the appeal of, look at my actions as well. I have not... uh, 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 attack them, try to you know overcome them by my own strength, but that he is uh, more so what he hasn't done is he hasn't done that, and he's he's relying on God here to give him that that vindication, that appeal. Um, the the word of your lips here. So with regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, uh, this is the the law of God, the the spoken word, the the word that they rely on for uh, that is revealed and truthful. Uh, this is uh, the word they rely on, uh, as if God is speaking it right here himself, uh, and he has a- avoided the ways of the violent. Uh, David's enemies are intending violence in their pursuits, yet David has kept his feet uh, to the path of godliness uh, and not into the ways of the world. The, the, the strategies that those that are presenting upon him, he's, uh, he's not going the ways of the world that would probably say, you know, all's fair in love and war or whatever it be, you know, I can do whatever it takes to, to defeat my enemy. No, he's, he's sticking to the word and relying upon the, the, the truth that God has revealed to him. In verse five, we have, my steps have held fast to your paths. 
This is a, a saying that he's, he's held fast here. So David's daily behavior has deepened his relationship with the Lord and his commitment to the word of God, that in his uh, steadfastness, God has refined him, has, has carried him in a deeper relationship with him. Um, and I, I like there that it says, held fast to your paths, um, that, that that's, that's described as plural, um, indicating the, the complexity, the intricacy, and all the different facets that uh, uh, God is working in our lives. Uh, sometimes God's path may be described as singular, uh, you know, moving in this direction, but his, his use of paths here, plural, uh, gives you the idea that uh, uh, life under his uh, cry for examination is saying, I look at how I've been faithful in how I treat my family, how I treat those that, uh, how I treat my servants, how I treat um, uh, my, the, the people around me in leadership, uh, all the areas of his life, he's recognizing that uh, he's acknowledging God in each one of these areas and that he's, these are the paths of God that how his word that he's held to has been present in each one of these portions of his life. Um, and it then follows that up with, uh, my feet have not slipped. He's not fallen into sin, iniquity, and temptation uh, in this, uh, this accusation, the area of this accusation. Uh, and this is probably because he's so attached himself to the scripture as, as it was uh, by the word of your lips that he's relying. Um, and I don't know exactly where this, this quote originated. I would guess uh, John Bunyan, because he's older, but I've seen it attributed to D.L. Moody um, regarding sin and scripture. It says, uh, either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And what I saw for John Bunyan is that it was uh, court, uh, recorded to have been written in the cover of his Bible. So as he, as he turns to his Bible, he's like, okay, well, if I haven't been in my word, it's probably because there's sin in my life I need to, I need to be uh, brought aware of. And if I find myself in the word, it's going to you know, sanctify me and work me through uh, whatever this sin is. So for us in our, our, our application for our cry of examination, uh, if we are uh, living out our faith, not hiding uh, in, in kind of the, the masses, uh, we can expect to suffer for the sake of righteousness. Uh, rather than uh, retaliating against uh, those that oppose us, we should, like David here, uh, lay our life open before God uh, for his fine-tooth examination, uh, that there be nothing that would warrant such slander or attack, and even as that come, just as David, he relied upon God and saying, I just want my appeal to God. It doesn't matter what the, the world says of me if God says great of me, that I've been faithful. Um, in all times, uh, but especially in times of you know, adversary attacks, of slander, uh, we should uh, uh, have uh, integrity, holiness, righteousness, a guarded tongue, uh, to you know, use this uh, language specifically, that our steps hold fast, fast to his paths. Um, and there we are, we've called for vindication. We've called for examination. If we are you know, flagrant and sinful and you know, uh, in this area, we're going to it's going to be revealed and we're going to have to repent, not expect to you know, go to the next portions of this psalm where um, you've been found righteous. But like David, uh, come before the throne of grace thoroughly, uh, examine and trust that God find nothing of the changes brought against, against us. We confess 
that we are sinners. Uh, in our life, there's you know, sin abounding uh, that as God reveals how far we are from the, the, correct, the straight stick that is him uh, and how uh, uh, crooked we are. But the, the present charges we are accused of, if we are faithful and we, we are turning to God in this examination, as I said, you know, pr- pure heart, pure hands, we know that we are gonna be vindicated because they're false accusations We've been faithful. Um, to then the, the next section there is verses six through 12. This is our cry for protection. Uh, it starts in verse six. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. That's, I, that's just, that's an, an awesome claim there. The, the reason David calls upon God is because he knows God will answer him. He has a confidence in prayer, a confidence in God uh, that he is assured his prayers will be answered. He will not be left out to dry. He, will, he will, uh, uh, has a confidence that God will do this examination and in uh, finding him righteous, that he will be protected. Uh, incline your ear to me. Hear my words is what it says next. David's prayer is bold, sure-footed because of his confidence in the Lord. I know my prayers, probably our prayers, often fall uh, way short of such boldness in how we talk to God um, with uh, uh, being tame, timid, docile, uh, not confident that God is going to stand by the righteous and protect us, that maybe it be God's uh, will to protect us, but not a confidence that we are, as we're going to see, shadowed by your wings uh, verse seven, it says, uh, in, in wonderful language, wondrously show your steadfast love. David is asking that God display the wonders of his faithful love towards him. And uh, this faithful love, steadfast love, also translated in another translation, loving kindness, is, is a unique kind of love, unconditional covenant love of God that can never be broken as is uh, exercised towards his own people irrevocable, eternal, sovereign, decreed love, exclusive for his own children, not shared uh, with the rest of the world. Uh, It is this holy love that David clings clings to and wants to be revealed, to be displayed, that uh, he's calling out here. Uh, It then says, uh, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. O Savior, Call it that claim uh, it's two parts uh, as we would we would see the savior uh, of course in eternal salvation as believers that uh, but more specifically here David's addressing a, a specific instance in time a temporal rescuing that he needs uh, for this salvation uh, that uh, his people in their hour of affliction they they see this uh, Psalm 17 is addressing a a a specific thing, and then to refuge from their adversaries at your right hand, uh, the right hand of God. Uh, it's the place of highest power in, and authority in the entire universe. It's the description of God's omnipotent power. So if, there, if there's going to be anything that's going to come against God in that way, well, he, we have refuge behind that great strength that cannot be attacked and, and overcome. Uh, God is sovereign, so that great power is going to do what he says it's going to do. Um, 
and it, here it will deliver us uh, and that we are in need of deliverance because we are helpless. We need that power out in front of us. Uh, verse eight says, uh, keep me as the apple of your eye. Um, apple of your eye, uh, d- d- as an idiom, like the pupil of your eye, the, the b- little black dot in your eye there, um, that uh, keep me as, uh, as a person protects that, that uh, part of their eye, their vision, so instinctively, this is what he's calling them. He's saying, God, uh, protect me as much as it would be instinctive for uh, someone to protect their eyes, that I would almost automatically be behind your defenses, that I am safe in your, in your strength. Um, then it says, uh, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Shadow of your wings here, uh, uh, this, this idea of protection and shielding uh, from the, the threatening predators uh, that, that seek to take down the weak, uh, but uh, in the uh, either like invisibility of not being able to be seen or the, uh, the idea of just being uh, completely cloaked and protected there. Uh, he's saying, hide me in that. In David's time of need, he calls for that great protection. Uh, in many translations here, uh, this is what's attributed to the, to the title of this psalm. I know in, uh, in my study Bible it is. It may be in yours as well. And uh, I would I would probably think that's because the translators feel as though this is the central theme of the verse or, or the passage. Um, so when we are attacked, we remain in the shadow of God's wings and only what God allows in past that, that shadow and that protection uh, and past his shielding, only what gets past that is because God allowed it uh, for his glory and for his good and for our good. Um, it was never that... Uh, you know, something actually overcame his, his protecting wings and his strength. Uh, verse nine then says, from the wicked who do me violence, uh, as well as do me violence in the uh, New American Standard, it says despoil me, uh, to also say uh, to lay waste, destroy, cause perish. Um, like this is a, a heavy claim of threat that he's having to uh, deal with here. The wicked are not neutral, but have an actual destruction as their goal. It's not, we just disagree, but you have to cease to exist because I, disagree, I hate God so much and you are standing uh, in line with God. Uh, it then says, my deadly enemies who surround me, furthering that, that deadly claim. These are life-threatening foes. This isn't a, a, a you know, just a, you know, making fun of or something, but they are surrounding him. Uh, He's without escape. His enemies uh, do not have retreat. He is in desperate need of God to come along him and uh, protect him and deliver him from this situation because these are deadly threats. With the mouths, they speak arrogantly. Because these adversaries have so much in this world, they they speak so proud from on high. These are... uh, these are people with clout, influence, visibility, and they were able to leverage all of these, these worldly strengths to further go, their goal. Um, verse 11 says, they have now surrounded our steps. David's foes are now acting upon their sinful plan. They're surrounding him, they're moving in on him, and uh, they, they have a plan to remove David from you know, leadership, visible space, attack him socially, whatever the, the particulars of are of this claim, they are, they are poised to make it happen. Um, but uh, they set their eyes to cast us to the ground 
Uh, a more, I guess, more modern way of saying that would be they want to, they want to take us down, they want to take us out, they want to defeat us. Uh, there's such hatred from these uh, uh, insensitive people. Oh, did I skip a big tech? Did I skip verse 10? Yes, I did. Let me go back to that because points are going to. So verse 10, they close their hearts to pity. They have that, the literal translation of that uh, I thought was really interesting. They closed their fat, uh, which is, uh, I guess, a, a common Old Testament idiom for uh, describing insensitivity. Um, here, this idiom also has a double meaning, uh, that these adversaries uh, have indulged in the abundance of the world's possessions, and they are insensitive to the ways of God. They are, uh, they've got their plans, and they're going to try and see that through with their worldly strength, and uh, that's going to uh, have to go against that, that omnipotent power uh, we described. So back to verse 11, as I was saying. Uh, they set their eyes, they cast this to the ground. Um, these insensitive people towards the things of God and the people of God, uh, they cannot bear to allow people of God to continue in their ways, in their worship. This is directly opposed to their goals. So they want to see uh, any attack upon God and God's people to further their cause. Uh, verse 12 says, he is like a lion eager to tear as a young lion lurking in ambush. This lethal foe is stalking, is uh, planning an attack at a, at a vulnerable moment. Uh, David uh, being uh, scoped out uh, to, so that they can exercise the, the strength that they have and get attention for this, this, might, this mighty work they're doing and to uh, probably... Uh, accrue more uh, a claim to being strong and powerful. Uh, and that's why David is, uh, is, is looking at this, this lethal attack coming before them or before him that he needs to uh, uh, turn to God. How do we see this as an example for us? Uh, the more visible we stand out for the Lord, we can totally expect uh, to be more marked out for that, that uh, lived out faith. And we can expect that the world's going to persecute and cause us to suffer because of that. Um, but if we are uh, secret Christians that try to blend in, uh, this psalm seems to be completely foreign to that idea. If uh, we just live in our Christian bubble and we don't evangelize, we don't, we don't press the, the issues of God on our culture, this, this psalm seems weird. And, but God calls us to be like David here. Um, uh, a cry of uh, uh, protection will be needed and expected uh, and not obscure for the, the Christian that stands out in his faith. Uh, that our culture is rife with worldliness that hates God. We see it everywhere in every, every facet of our life. We see the world trying to uh, uh, just chop, it, chop the, the foundations of the church. It either uh, you know, sneak in or uh, just remove uh, whatever, you know, religious freedoms we have here, fortunately, in this country. They are, they are on attack all the time. So we need to be prepared as well and uh, turn to God for that strength. Um, some examples that uh, maybe we can be doing as uh, ways to live out our faith for us parents, uh, we can uh, be giving godly instruction to our children and then holding our households to that same standard and that, that instruction, not just uh, letting it slide. In our workplaces, uh, are we uh, not cutting corners? We're dotting our I's, crossing our T's, standing up upon our conscience. So if there's something we disagree with, we let it be known. We don't just go the way and blend in. We speak up. You know, that, I don't think that's right. I don't think I can do that. 
I'm not going to participate in this area of, of our business if that's, if that's the way that we're going. Um, maybe walking away from our job in, a, in some degree or fashion. Um, another thing we can do is in our communities, we can be speaking truth and justice. Um, we've got so many attacks now on justice that we're you know, attaching all sorts of different words to justice and changing its meaning. Well, none of those things are justice. We speak truth and justice as it's found in God's word. We, that's what's true. There's no question about it. Um, in verse 13 and 14, we then go to our, our cry of confrontation. Uh, gets a little exciting here. Uh, verses 13, arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him. This is uh, much stronger uh, military language, an escalation of his plea. Uh, David is calling upon God to deal justly with the source of his false accusations uh, and all these lethal threats. David is uh, leaving vengeance to the Lord and not by his hands, his strength, whatever uh, you know, he has, but he's, uh, the battle is the Lord's here. He's relying upon on, on God because it is truly God who they are attacking it's David just happens to be the, the servant that's getting the direct blow, but the idea of why is because of God. Um, he, he says subdue him there. Uh, here David calls uh, uh, them to be taken down, uh, similar to the, the language we saw before, that they set their eyes to cast us down. Now David is essentially praying that same thing upon his accusers, that uh, uh, for the sake of the righteous, subdue them. Uh, as accusations are false, uh, subdue them. Uh, if David be guilty, he already called for examination and for it to be revealed to him in verse three. So being found uh, blameless here, he then uh, has uh, this ex expectation that God will uh, uh, subdue his enemies because God stands with the just. Uh, if he had been uh, you know, unjust, he would have been called to repentance. Uh, he wouldn't have moved forward with a, you know, God defend me. He would have been in the wrong and God would have uh, called him out on that uh, uh, failure. But then it says, uh, deliver my soul from the wicked for, by your sword. This sword here, the offensive weapon of God is called upon uh, with the righteous lethality as the form of deliverance from this situation. He's surrounded, he's, there's lethal threats coming upon him and he's calling for a deliverance of uh, of greater strength, a, a lethal strength towards those that would be attacking him because uh, he finds it, remember, he's claiming a just cause. Verse 14 says, from men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world, God is sovereign. So here we see David acknowledge that his deliverance will be uh, solely by the intervening of the omnipotent God against the men whose lot is built on the world systems of power and God... God has all power, so the world systems are not going to be able to stand against him. Uh, the, these adversaries, their portion is in this life. All the adversaries have is temporal treasures, no eternal value. Whatever they're leveraging, it's nothing uh, compared to uh, God who David seeks and worships, and therefore uh, the expectation is that, that they will definitely be defeated by God. Uh, but in this life, uh, their portion is here. They will be left with nothing in eternity for that. Uh, you fill their womb with treasure. God is so good that even uh, here, the adversaries of David that are leveraging lethal threats, uh, they, they have this uh, uh, 
the, a, a treasure here, but they are outside of that loving kindness we talked about, that steadfast love, the one of uh, the things of true value. They, they've, got, they've got worldly things, but David has steadfast love that he, he, he gets to cling to. Uh, they are satisfied with children, it says next. Uh, the presence of common grace here uh, to you know, marry, have children, to enjoy them, uh, a testimony of God's goodness uh, that even uh, his enemies can uh, have the, the common blessings uh, and maybe even those things be used in the, uh, the, the calling of them to himself, that they recognize that even in their uh, disgust of God, God was still blessing them. And even more so, uh, they leave their abundance to their infants. These common graces, they're overlooked uh, by those that are satisfied with uh, temporal uh, prosperities. They don't, they don't see the value that God is even, even providing for them in their, in their hatred of God. Uh, how, how, do we, how do we see a co- cry for confrontation here in our, in our lives? Uh, there are certainly times that believers should pray for confrontation. We have the example here in, in David. Uh, it likely isn't going to be a daily prayer, because we're not in the, uh, a, a lethal threat probably daily. Maybe, maybe some of our brothers and sisters across the world are, um, but for, for us, we don't see that. But this should definitely be a prayer that we, we lean to uh, in uh, persecution and keep in mind when persecution comes and is heavy and, and very hard to deal with, that we turn to God and we appeal to God. But when the matters of God's kingdom are on trial, we are not seeking vengeance ourselves, uh, by our own hand, but we are calling for God to intervene uh, decisively. If the, if the attackers don't repent, we rely on God and God's strength to be done. His justice will be made. Uh, our, our last section then is uh, uh, verse 15, our cry, or David's cry for glorification. It says, as for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. This psalm uh, concludes David. Uh, with David uh, encouraged. He's talked about all these hard, hard things that are coming upon him, but he's been encouraged by the vindication, the examination, the protection, the confrontation um, of God. Uh, after laying out his entire appeal to the Lord, he is confident in God's judgment. Uh, and he, he starts that off with, as for me. So this is a, a total, total opposite juxtaposition to the, the people that are making the accusations against him, uh, his adversaries, his accusers. Um, they, are, they rest upon the fat of the world with their uh, insensitivity, their, their uh, uh, just uh, abundance of worldly things that they, they hold value, um, that they would be attacking the servants of God and ignoring the, the graces of God that are even in their lives. And it says, I shall behold your face in righteousness. David is making a profession, renouncing the things of his accusers, the worldly things here, and that he desire most of all things to behold the beauty of God's holiness in his eternal presence. Um, This appears to be a, I don't know what the word, a foreshadowing, a proto-statement, if that's a thing, of uh, Revelation 22.4, where we see, being able to see God's face in holiness. First uh, John 3, 2 also talks about being able to be able to see him as he is on that side of glory, that there, there's no veiling. On, in righteousness, we get to see God truly uh, with no, uh, no veil. Uh, 
for we are, we are uh, uh, justified and therefore in uni- unity with him. Uh, it, the, next, the last phrase there in verse 15 says, when I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Here we have an echo of that first phrase in verse 15 where David imagines uh, the complete and perfect satisfaction of seeing God in glory. That it will uh, be so encompassing that these things of the world, uh, whatever it be, he's just caught up and fixated forever in in the face of God. He is uh, satisfied there. And as believers, uh, going through extreme trials as they come, uh, persecution, uh, we are to be encouraged by, as we ponder on God's promise that we see in David right here, that in righteousness we shall behold the face of the Lamb and be ever satisfied. And no matter how hard things are getting, we will behold his face and be satisfied. Um, that is our cry for glorification. Um, I don't know exactly how long, long it's been. I didn't check my watch. Uh, but in, in summary, uh, will you join with me in a, in a prayer as we, as we pray through Psalm 17 uh, and talk about the vindication, examination, protection, confront, confrontation, and glorification. Dear Heavenly Father, it is uh, with great joy that we, uh, uh, we see your, your truth in this psalm, uh, that this psalm is a testimony that you stand with the righteous, that you take sides and are opposed to the unrighteous, that our appeal must be to you, the judge of all heaven and all earth, and that we must examine our life, calling for you to reveal all impurity and need for repentance. And in that examination, uh, being uh, found upright, we then turn to you for protection from the unrighteous attacks of the world, that you would hide us in the shadows the shadow of your wings, the protection that you you provide that is perfect. And as we turn to you as a just cause, as being vindicated, examined, uh, and protected, uh, the, the just cause, we may ask you to intervene on our behalf as the divine warrior to fight our battles. And in your deliverance, we persevere unto the day that we shall behold your face and be ever satisfied. It is uh, uh, by your doing we persevere. And uh, as you bring uh, and protect us and we move forward, we will one day stand before you and be satisfied in uh, being uh, united with you in just uh, eternal worship of you. We love you, Lord Jesus. It is to you we cling. In your name, amen. All right. Let's stand.